Welcome back to the Field Trip Podcast. As always, my name is Brent Terhune. Right now, if you're listening to this, I'm at the Punchline Philly in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Where are you? You're are you not at my? Sh- if you don't live in Philly, you're not there. But uh, tell a friend. I'll be in San Francisco, Cleveland. All my dates at BrentComedy.com. But my guest this show, he's back for the first time. It's uh, Trey Crowder. Hey, buddy. Good to be here. Hey, man. You, you don't know how many people have come up to me after my shows and been like, dude, I found you because of Trey. So thank you uh, for that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm thrilled to hear it because, uh, you know, I mean, I'm a fan. So I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Glad that, that has happened. You've, uh, you've done uh, our shows on our tour before, too. I should tell yeah. the people. You've uh, filled in for. Corey Forster, her tours with me when he had one of his many cousins' weddings to go to or something. I think it was a wedding. So he's like, did the show and then left. And I was there with uh, you and Drew for the rest of the week. So yeah. Um, yeah. And you remember we I, didn't we have you like, didn't you sign Corey's name or something on like a picture or something like that? Like there we yeah. all took a group picture and it said like Trey, Corey, and Drew, but it was you instead of Corey and sent it to Corey or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah you sent it to Corey. Here's. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, it's so weird how I will share Corey's videos and, and vice versa, and people will be like, man, you're so funny as the buttercream dream. Like, I don't even know that we look similar at all, but people, for some reason, I don't know. Dude, I, yeah, you know, the other day, and I appreciate you chiming in on it, on one of my videos, which, you know, I've been doing that video series for five years. On one mm-hmm. of my videos, some dude came in there like, you're ripping Brent or hewn off and I will not stand for it and tag you in it or whatever. And, uh, you know, you set him straight as did Corey and drew and me and everybody else. But yeah, it's just funny how people, I don't know how they don't, especially because we all do like share each other's things and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And yet somehow all the time, there are some people who are only aware of like one of us, mm-hmm. you know, and then thinks the other one is like ripping them off or something like that. It's just the internet's weird. In their mind, it's Highlander. There can only be one. Yeah, right. So <laughs> if you're doing, if you made, if you commented on the same big uh, pop culture topic as somebody else, then you're ripping them off for talking about the Super Bowl or whatever. Right. Well, that's the other thing too is like we don't, I said I've been doing my videos for five years, but just so everyone listening knows, the videos that you do that the guy was talking about and the ones that I do are not the same thing anyway. Those are even just different. Literally in that video I made, I like impersonated a dumbass a couple of times, which again, I do all the time, you know, and he was like, that's ripping off Brent Terhune because you know, you, you impersonate dumbasses a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, if I do a political video, it's, it's usually just a character. It's never me like, Hey, I'm Brent Terhune and here's this thing, you know, and it's 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 odd how you can be a completely different presentation, but yet even not even comment on something that's the same, but along the same lines, and people will be like, "Dude, you're stealing." And that's right. the last thing as a as a creator and a, a comedian is that I want to be compared to as somebody that's like taking something that somebody else's. That's to me, that's like, oh, that's sacred. You don't do that type. Thing. Yeah, that's the that's like the cardinal sin mm-hmm. in our in our world. So yeah. That's like, that's, which is why I responded to that. Cause like, you know, I'm sure you, I know for a fact you do, cause you retweet a lot of them, which is funny, but like, I get all, I get hateful comments all the time, fucking, you know, stupid mm-hmm. liberal queer. You don't know shit, that type of thing all yeah. the time. And I never respond to them, but that guy mm-hmm. I did respond to because he was accusing me of stealing. And as a comedian, yeah. I'm like, I cannot abide that, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that I must react to. This aggression will not stand, man. Yeah. Um, well, fill people in. Uh, you know, probably if you're listening to this, you know who Trey is, but fill me in. Wh- where are you from? And how how did you get to be where you are, Trey? Give me the, the bullet points. Yeah, bullet points. I'm not good at that, just so you know. <laughs> I ramble and meander and just vomit at the mouth for a long time. So uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. I'll try to do the bullet point version. I yeah, up. yeah. Poor white trailer trash in Salina, Tennessee, which is a town with no traffic lights or McDonald's or anything. Graduated high school with 60 people, which was the biggest class that our school's ever had by a lot. It's normally like 35 to 45 people in a graduating class. That's how rural it is. 
my dad owned a video store crowder's videos mm-hmm. a converted single wide trailer in salina oh, um, i would have loved that dude it was awesome it was i basically grew up in a video store you know uh, i was mm-hmm. there every day and i loved it um and then of course that imploded you know when all video stores yeah. imploded <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, but so I always wanted to do, I wanted to like do movies or whatever, because I grew up what, in a video store. Like, I mean, I'm saying the entertainment industry, what? Yeah. Was like, well, I didn't understand. Yeah. yeah. I didn't understand what any of that meant. I just knew that was like the thing I wanted to do. And then starting when I was 12 and I know I was 12 because it was, uh, I watched Chris Rock bigger and blacker when it came mm-hmm. on in 1998 with my dad, we watched it together and my dad was just losing his mind. Cause that's the special with the like, my dad was a single father and that's a special with the like nobody gives a fuck about daddy all daddy gets a big piece of chicken yeah Yeah. that all that shit my dad was just losing it Mm -hmm. and i remember seeing that and being like uh that was the first time i thought like that specifically is what i want to do stand up you know but i lived in the middle of fucking nowhere i also was a smart kid i made good grades i was like the smart kid in my in my school and so I was always going to go to college and I did go to college, but like a fucking cow, co- I shouldn't say that. I love my co- my alma mater, Tennessee <laughs> Tech University, but it is a bit of a cow college mm-hmm. in Cookville, Tennessee. Um, and there's no, there's no clubs or anything in Cookville either. It's bigger than, to me, it was a metropolis because there's, it's like 30,000 people, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's also a small town. So I went to college there, still had never done stand up, but still wanted to. I kept notes. I kept a notepad, you know, of like possible jokes and stuff, but I had never done it. I did it one time at a talent show in college and I won the talent show. What did you go to college for, by the way? Uh, I got an MBA because you were in the the MBA. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The, The only, I don't, and the thing is, what's super ironic about that is i don't give a shit about business and also mm-hmm. i'm terrible at it like yeah the, the business part of show business i'm god awful at that part and mm-hmm. i have a master's of business administration so like that tells you like what degrees really mean sometimes the mm-hmm. only reason i got an mba i'm not kidding is because i thought that was the most versatile degree i could get so that I could get a good job while I was trying to become a comedian. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to do the whole starving artist waiting tables thing. Right. Yeah. Sleeping in the car type thing. And that's, I went yeah. to school for communication and radio and it was like, uh, I, you know, this is the most stand up thing they offer. Yeah. And, and I did PR. So I was like, nobody's going to like vouch for me if I don't write a, my own press release or something like that, you know? See, but what's cool about that, the fact that you did that is like, I never even consider, like I said, I was just, I just didn't want to be, if I've been poor my whole life, I was like, I don't want to be a starving, you don't have to starve to be an artist, that's mm-hmm. stupid, that's how mm-hmm. I felt about it, I wanted to be able to get a good job with like insurance and a salary and shit, and still moonlight as a comedian and try to figure that out, which is exactly what I ended up doing, by the way, but I'm, but it never entered my mind to do what you did, which seems obvious, which is like do something in college that is at least tangentially related mm-hmm. <laughs> to comedy. You know, like I didn't realize you could even do that. Do you know what I mean? Like it never occurred yeah. to me that there were majors I could have looked into that would have had some relevance to comedy. I was just like, I need to get a job. So after mm-hmm. I graduated, I got a job with the U S department of energy working in contracts in uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, that's right outside of Knoxville. I moved there. There was a comedy club in Knoxville called Side Splitters. It's not there anymore, but it was there at the time. This is 2010. Um, and I was like, I was 24 years old and I was like, all right, dude, it's now or never. Like mm-hmm. you, you've, you've told yourself in your head that this is what you were going to do your whole life, but that you're, there's a club there now, like shit or get off the pot. So I signed up for an open mic. I had a good first show. I packed the room with people I worked with and friends of mine, you know, mm-hmm. that old cheat code. But it went really well. Got the bug, just kept doing it. And then I got uh, four, about four and a half years in, I got into this NBC writers program in New York. Uh, and I got a manager in LA and I was doing these festivals and submitting tapes and all this stuff while still living in Knoxville. So I felt like it was going pretty good, but I absolutely still had a day job. And then in the spring of 2016, I started that video series we were talking about earlier yeah. the liberal redneck series and what was your and first one by the i don't remember what was your first the one? very first one actually uh was about my home state of tennessee 
considering making uh, the Holy Bible the official state book of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And basically the angle of the video was like, oh, now y'all give a fuck about books. You know how many times I got called a queer for reading when I was growing up? You know, like kiss my ass, that type of thing. That video, got that was the very first one. And it got like 30,000 views or something. And I was thrilled, you know. For a guy that, you know, like like me that had never made a video and I got 10,000 views one time, I was like, holy shit. No, I know. Me too. I was like, oh shit, I might be onto something. This is Mm -hmm. great. And then the next one I made, the second one, was about the uh, North Carolina transgender bathroom bill that was huge in the news at the time. That was the sub. That was the subject matter of the second liberal redneck video I made, and that one went like astronomically viral and got mm-hmm. like tens of millions of views, and just literally changed every single thing about my life mm-hmm. overnight. And sort of, Probably I quit my so. day job. I went pro. You know, I've been a full time yeah. comedian ever since, and you know, here we are. Probably so popular that you were finding your own video on places that you hadn't found. You didn't post your video, right? Yeah. Like people are just. It's so bizarre how people and, will be like, yeah, I, here's this video. Ta- I'll tag him in it. Well, why don't you just share the thing that I did? You know, sometimes they don't even tag you too. Mm-hmm. like sometimes people do what you're saying and not tag you. Other times uh, people would uh, edit my videos mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and then repost them. And that used to drive me up the wall. And I remember it would be like you know, there's those, there's all those pages and all those accounts on social media that that's basically what they do. They like repost things. Aggregators. aggregators, Content aggregators. Exactly. And a lot of them have massive followings. So Mm -hmm. like I was on board with them sharing the stuff, but like they would edit it. Like Mm -hmm. for example, because it would be like ultra liberal content aggregators. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Occupied Democrats is who I'm talking about. I'll mm-hmm. just say, it. <laughs> you know, I do appreciate them sharing my shit, but the, and and also I told them to stop editing them, and they agreed, so we're fine. But at first they were editing them, and I remember I asked like, why did you cut that out? And it was like a line about trailer babies, some white trailer. It was like Kim Davis was doing some shit, and I said something about her filthy trailer babies or something, and they they had cut that out, and they're like, well, we felt like that was actually kind of classist. And I, and I was like, I was like, I am a goddamn trailer. I'll say whatever the hell I want about trailer babies. It made me so mad. Like somebody (laughs) telling me that I couldn't talk about poverty or trash people or whatever. From where you come from trash person. But yeah. What what was that feeling like when you post the the second video, it goes super viral. Are you just sitting there like, oh my God, how do, how do I, what do I do after this? Right. I, I still have my day job of naturally when that first happened. And I posted it like the evening before mm-hmm. and it was doing well, but it was like, at that point, it was roughly still like what around the level of what the first one had been, you know what I mean? Which, like I said, I was still thrilled about, but it wasn't insane yet. It got insane like overnight and the next morning and the next day. So I was at work all day and my phone, I had to go to meetings. I had all my regular work shit I had to do. And my phone was literally like red hot in my pocket. Mm. Like it was burning my leg. I had to take it out of my pants and the battery drained in like 15 minutes or whatever, because of all the, the notifications that I was getting. And when that happened and my phone, and then, so my phone died and I didn't have a charger at work. So my phone was just dead for, so for hours, I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I knew when that happened, I was like, Oh, this is about to be some shit, you know? And then I, went home that night and just started i mean i think at that point it had like 19 million views or something i remember that because drew made a meme about it and i remember that was the number was 19 million in like a day or two like geez like that's so crazy yeah that was in about 24 hours and then it kept going for like another you know day or two or whatever and uh i started getting all these interviews one of the first things we do was put a little miniature tour together a week-long mm-hmm. tour in the south it was like atlanta was the very first date uh, of the well-read comedy tour which is me Corey forster and drew morgan atlanta was the first date we had nashville asheville huntsville and oh shit well johnson city tennessee and um uh and i remember i was really really sweating that because i mm-hmm. was like dude there's a huge difference between just clicking share on something versus purchasing a ticket, leaving the house. That's a commitment. 
Yeah. And people didn't realize I was a comedian even, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause it's just a, like a funny internet video or whatever. And uh, so I was like, dude, nobody's going to come see me because of that shit, but they all sold out, you know? And mm -hmm. I, that's when I realized like, okay, this might be a for real thing. And yeah. then it's just like, you know, went on from there five years later, still making them videos. Still going. <laughs> which yeah, is fine. Yeah. <laughs> What, what do you aspire to do in comedy? You know, because you, you've gained a following, you're, you've made videos, but you said you, you wanted to be movies. What, what do you want to do? I do still want to do in that time, in that five years, I've had five failed pilots that mm -hmm. I've sold and written. That's very typical just for people listening. Five, you know, uh, Kenya Barris, the guy that made blackish and is now has an empire. I think he had like 11, failed mm -hmm. pilots before blackish something like that so five isn't even that bad yeah you just um, need one to hit but that's you, it yeah. it takes 30 for the one you know right and so it's but it's still you know disappointed but i'm just saying it's also people don't know how the that part of the business works which why would they i don't blame them but mm -hmm. regular people don't understand how that part of the business works so like i would sell a show to fox or abc or whatever and it would be in deadline, you know, ABC buys liberal redneck sitcom from Trey Crowder or whatever, something like that. And my fans would see that people like, Oh, I can't wait. When's it coming out? You know? And then like, then it would die on the vine like they do. And they'd be like, where's that show at? What's going on with that? You know? And you just have to explain it. And it's uh, yeah, it's a yeah. slog, but I've, I mean, I'm still, I'm, I've got a show right now that I'm about to take around and start mm -hmm. trying to sell and get made uh, you know, in the coming weeks. So, I mean, I'm still very much, aspiring to do all that and yeah. i'm still working on it it's just uh it's just real hard to get done you know but yeah i want to i want to have my own show and be in it and mm -hmm. write it produce it and all that i mean i want to be like one of those dudes you that's know? what i was going to ask is what you know you're writing shows but that's that's what you aspire to do is write and you know i've always wanted to direct things too that i see Me, I, I do too but I made a little short film that I ended up not really doing much with because I, I honestly wasn't all that happy with how it turned out. And I'm, it was a, I, I need to do a whole lot of other shit first before mm -hmm. I even think about trying to direct something is what I realized about myself through that, through that process. But yeah, I want to do all that shit too. And I want to, and also while still doing stand up, I, I don't want to like yeah. transition into that and stop doing stand up. I, you know, I mean, I want to be like fucking, you know, a lot of Chappelle's and Bill Burr's mm -hmm. and Louis and whatever of the world, Steinfeld, just that, yeah. you know, there's a model for that. A stand up who still does stand up, has their own show, acts in it, writes it, all that, has other projects. Like that's, that to me is the, the ideal. I, I think Chris Rock said at one time where he's like, everything I do that's not stand up is to get people to come see me to do stand up. Right. You know? Yeah, right. I don't begrudge the guy. There's also been a lot of examples of guys, very famous ones, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, Zach Galifianakis. Mm -hmm. who, not, Zach actually is back to doing it, I believe, but you know, who got into like acting or movies, movie star type shit, and then stopped doing stand up. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't blame anybody for doing that. That's fine. But I've always definitely in my mind intended to be more like Kevin Hart, you know? Yeah. Keep doing it all if possible. Um, when you're renting movies from your dad's place and you said it was Crowder video, you said Crowder's video. Yeah. Who's the, is there competition in town? Is a, is blockbuster around yet? Well, again, we didn't have a McDonald's or a Walmart, yeah, so, so we yeah, were yeah. not getting a uh, a blockbuster. There was another video store, and actually, but we and so they were competition. But we did fine. I mean, we did fine. Mm -hmm. I feel like we were probably the main video store in town. Obviously, I'm biased, but that's how I remember it, and that's how yeah. I felt about it. And it just we did fine up until video stores started dying, and yeah. then we died too just like everybody else did you know it's so bizarre that last year 2020 uh they finally i was such a big fan of family video that chain of video stores and they finally closed all like all of them last did that year. happen i missed that i didn't even know because i remember yeah. there was a family video in cookville and i remember they were like the last one to still be open mm -hmm. when i was in college and stuff and i yeah, used to I, go with it. yeah i always I, I always like i still i romanticize video stores the memory of video stores you know it's like shit's close to my heart 
like I said, well, I loved it there. Like yeah, I, I had to, my dad was a single father. I'd have to go straight there after school, be there till nine o'clock at night, every night. But like, it never bothered me. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I always loved it. What are your go-to titles that, you know, that you are, you're, you're probably bringing some home. Do you remember a bunch of, you know, movies that you, you love? Wayne's world and Jurassic park were probably the two that I rewatched the most, you know, that I just kept a copy of at the house pretty much. Um, my dad, I talked about this before. My dad was like, and I pre- I have I have sons now. They are eight and nine. And it's funny because on the one hand, I appreciate my dad doing this, but on the other hand, I do not do this, which is my dad uh didn't really send, he would show me fucking R-rated movies and stuff if he thought they had like artistic value. Like my mm-hmm. dad was he was into like foreign movies and David Lynch and sh- weird shit like that. And he and in, in music he loved David Bowie and talking heads and like he he liked a bunch of wild artsy shit and he would but not just that i remember i think the first r movie i ever saw was die hard and i couldn't have been more than six years old yeah. because i remember i got up to like pee in the mm-hmm. in the middle of the night to me it was probably like 11 p.m and i went in there to get a drink of water in the kitchen and my dad was watching die hard and i like crouched down behind the cabinet door and was watching it from the kitchen like i thought he wouldn't know mm-hmm. and in my head i remember that and i don't remember how old i was but i'm like dude that's a little kid move. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I had to be five, six, seven. And I remember my dad was like, Trey, honey, you could come over here if you want to watch this movie. And I sat there and watched Die Hard with him. But then like later, I remember he would get annoyed with me because like at 10 years old, I didn't have an adequate appreciation for a racer head or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I started I mean? that movie this year and I was like, I, I, I'm going to bed. Like, I, yeah, I, honestly, I, yeah. I think because of that, I never really got down with David Lynch very much. I think because my dad tried to turn me on to him when I was too young for all mm-hmm. that. And it kind of turned me off of David Lynch stuff, but like, so I was allowed to watch R rated movies. So the other, other big ones for me was fucking predator, alien, aliens, Terminator two, RoboCop, all those great, like eighties R rated action movies. But what's funny is like those movies were for kids back. They had toy lines. Like you ever thought about that? They would have whole lines of toy. Those (laughs) movies were marketed at kids and were rated R. Mm -hmm. That was just how the, you know, the eighties and early nineties was man. Same as Freddy Krueger, just being in rap videos and the (laughs) basic, So this character is he's a pedophile that murders children you want to hear him rap you know yeah Yeah. there was a time period where everybody rapped you know yeah like you had to rap i think rodney dangerfield rapped hey i don't yeah i remember that where he's got the boom box on his shoulder and like a scarf around his (laughs) rodney raps man yeah that's the thing that people don't they're like oh rodney's great but we're not going to talk about the the yeah right (laughs) um your or that origin story to watching uh die hard just that's that's what comedians do oh i snuck down and watch my parents watch johnny carson that your origin stories like i the way i pictured Zack snyder got into movies was like my dad was watching uh die hard and i i snuck and watched it behind the couch. i started making movies yeah i mean that you know again i don't do that yet yeah, yeah. but yeah. i do want I, I want to one day and that is how it all started for me i mean i just grew up around it and also my the other thing about that was my dad was the only one and i'm not shitting on any any of the other adults in my life because i do get it but my dad was also the only one that was always really supportive of that idea because mm-hmm. like i said i was a smart kid so i made straight a's so i was always being told by my grandparents or my guidance counselor my teachers or stuff it was like you know you you can do anything you want to, you can get out of here. Like it's like, you've got a golden ticket, you know, you can do anything you want. You could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could be a politician, mm-hmm. whatever. And I'd be like, well, I, I think I want to be a comedian. They would be like, what? No, yeah. not, don't do that. <laughs> you're, you're throwing all the rest of this away. Like, don't do that. But my dad was always like, I think that'd be cool as hell, boy. Like he always yeah. was really supportive of it. So uh, that helped too. Do you remember your some of your jokes from your talent show? Uh, I, you know, yeah, kind of. But keep in mind, this was a. Uh, I was in a fraternity, which I don't like really care about anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, uh, I'm not one of those dudes. Mm-hmm. Which those dudes are fine, but just not me. I did it in college. It was fun, mm-hmm. but I'm not still all about it or anything yeah i never pictured you as a frat guy to be honest (laughs) i know everybody says that and i i get it but dude i was like 
in college, I was like pretty fucking broy. I mean, I was in college in the mid aughts, you know. Yeah. So it was like chin strap, beard, fucking poke shell necklace, backwards <laughs> ball cap and stuff. I mean, it was, I definitely cringe when I look back on the broy uh, period of my life. I love fucking hinder and theory of a dead man and fucking yeah. mud vein and all, mud that, vein. all that puddle of mud, all the mud yeah. related fans. <laughs> I was uh stuff so to, if it's it sounds like you got to clean up after it that's what you're into yeah absolutely so yeah all pretty gross but anyway it was a Greek I say that because it was a Greek life talent show mm-hmm. put on by a sorority DG and my little sister was a DG and my girlfriend actually so you know I kind of had a stacked deck I think yeah all the other dudes were fucking DGs too it's fine it wasn't mm-hmm. just my I'm, I'm like defending my honor of winning this thing now <laughs> I don't want people to think I cheated but my point is, so a lot of my material, it was stand-up material, but I, it was about like my sister or the other fraternities Paper and stuff. stuff you, but, like right yeah, over right. there, which, like, there she is. <laughs> right, which like killed in that room because they all knew her and the other people I was talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? I remember the only joke I remember from it, the only one is that my little sister is kind of like a cross between Cher from Clueless and Larry the Cable Guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just murdered because that page is like well she's that she's like i mean like uh, oh my fucking god bubby like that you know like that's how she sounds oh my god i my i love a bubby and sissy type uh nicknames that's what that's us that's me and her i got like in person i call her page her name but in my Mm -hmm. phone she's sissy if i'm texting her and stuff i'll say sissy and she calls me bubby yeah yeah always has that's the universal just nicknames for uh, kids. It's Bubby and you could just my next door neighbors growing up. They were always Bubby and Sissy, for some reason. Do you know there's this certain? I I I only found this out recently, and I'm not sure. It might be Jewish people or a certain part of Europe or something. There's a certain culture where Bubby means grandma. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. It's I think they say it more like booby. Booby Bubala. Yeah booby I, I don't know yeah yeah i got a cameo request for somebody's bubby yeah and, but it was their grandmother and i was and I, I up until that point i didn't know that was a thing you get i i i'm on cameo as well and you get some of the strangest requests of you get that you get the people to be like tell tell greg i said horseradish he'll yeah. know what it means and i'm like sure whatever like but it's just bizarre like the inside jokes that people want you in on but don't explain at the explain same time to you. yeah <laughs> Uh, what are you? Uh, I what are you currently watching or listening to or reading or what do you consume when you're not working? Um, I mean, I watch a lot of TV and yeah. I, what I've always told myself, and I think this is justifiable too, because if you talk to like people in the industry, a lot of them will say the same thing. I watch a lot of TV and I justify it to myself as like I look at it as like coursework almost. I mean, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. but like Stephen King had a famous quote that said, if you don't have time to read, you don't have time to write. I mean, yeah. like you got to read to be a good writer. And I feel the same way about watching T about like writing scripts and stuff. So I watch a lot of shit. And right now I'm watching hacks on HBO. You've seen that it's about, no, it's everybody about says it's great. It is great. It's really good. I'm I'm like five episodes into it, but I mean, it's awesome. And me and my wife are watching dirty John Betty, the second mm-hmm. season, because she loves murder. She's a yeah. big fan of murder yeah super into murder uh and what i'm you know i'm an aging millennial so i'm hugely into podcasts i Mm -hmm. listen to podcasts all the time dude i like and so like i lift weights and i used to listen to my old bro shit or heavy metal or something like pump up shit you know Mm -hmm. and i now i listen to fucking podcasts even while lifting it's like yeah they're consuming me you know but i love right now i'm listening to bill burt the bill burr burt kreischer podcast oh yeah I love uh, that. I love Two Bears, Bert and Tom Segura's podcast, but also listen to a lot of like industry or writing podcasts, like the writer's panel or script notes and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I listen to a shitload of podcasts so much so that music, I used to pride myself on keeping up with music and knowing new bands and what Mm -hmm. was good and everything. But the older I get, I just, it's funny. I used to wonder about like 
my dad and, and other old dudes, they still listen to their old shit. You know what I mean? I mean, my dad, he, he liked third eye blind and the drive by truckers and shit like that too. Mm -hmm. But like, but now I totally get it. Cause all my Spotify playlists, they've, they've been mostly the same for years. Yeah. You know what Dude, I mean? It's just had, all the same shit. I had that thought literally at this desk yesterday going through some kind of music or whatever. And I was like, man, I don't even know any new bands. Like I don't either. And that, but the thing is, it's not like I stopped and just am listening to my old stuff. I've even gone farther back and listening to older stuff that like, I started listening to Blue Oyster Cult and Deep Purple because Metallica right. covered them. And it was like, oh, these are really good. I never would have listened to them if Metallica hadn't covered them. But my tastes have gone even farther back than what I would normally listen to. Yeah, I, um, in terms of music, I, uh, I'm one of those people that's like, I, I don't think I have... I don't know that I believe in like good genres. I just believe in good artists. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like I, there's, I, I like artists. I don't like genres of music. Mm -hmm. Like in pretty much any genre you can name, I probably have at least one or two or a shitload of artists mm -hmm. that I'm into, you know, but like I'm a fucking um pretentious hill i'm a hipster hillbilly type guy so of course i love like jason isbell and sturgill simpson and yeah and all and uh american aquarium and uh sarah shook lydia loveless all those people well, but i like rap and you've worked with jason isbell before so like what is it about his music which i'm a big fan of his too that you that you gravitate towards I mean, I start, I loved Jason Isbell when he was in the Drive-By Truckers. The Drive-By mm -hmm. Truckers were the first ever band that I turned my dad on to because my dad was hugely into music, and he, like, you know, raised me right as far as that goes. It wasn't no, wasn't no trash allowed. It was all, like, uh, what I always used to say is the three Bs, Beatle, the Beatles, the Boss, and Bowie were, like, the three biggest things, and also Skinner, of course, and a bunch of other shit, too. Mm -hmm. But that Drive-By Truckers was the first band I turned him on to, and they were, like, you know, it was like, holy shit, they're like super Southern, but not all fucking dumb and hicky and stuff. Yeah. You know, that I, I'm like that. I want to be like that, you know? So I like loved the drive-by truckers when I found them in high school and Jason Isbell was in the drive-by truckers for a while. And I liked him then. And as soon as he split off and went solo, I, his first album sirens of the ditch, I was listening to, but as far as what I like about him, it's like I said about the about the truckers he's like he's very southern he, and i relate to a lot of what he covers and shit and he's just raw and emotional but he's also just really good and he doesn't do any of that like hacky fucking you know country fried bullshit you know yeah, what i mean like he keeps it real you can kind of play three country songs at the same time and realize that they're all kind of the same yeah radio country see that's the, right i said there's genre there's artists i like if you're talking about radio country, there hasn't been one in 20 plus years. I liked 90s country, but like modern day radio country, I revile. I get, I'm like personally offended by it. I hate it so much. <laughs> well, and I, I don't listen to a lot, uh, but I'll hear it in passing. And I'm like, well, this is just pop music with a twang. That's like, all it know. is. That's all. It's absolutely all it is. And that's why like. I live in California and people find out I'm from the South here, Max and whatever. And sometimes they'll ask me, do you like country music? And I'm always like, okay, yes, I love country music, but I bet I don't mean the same thing that you mean when I say that, like, yeah. I bet what you mean when you ask me if I like country music is what's on the radio. And no, I can't stand that shit. Mm -hmm. You probably would call what I like Americana music, mm -hmm. but as far as I can tell, Americana music is just country music that's good. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's country, but it's good. Then they yeah. call it Americana, you know. That should be the definite. You just Google Americana and it's just country music that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what have you, what did you do over the pandemic? Because a lot of us, Ugh. you know, didn't do a goddamn thing or, you you got hyper creative or you you know you consumed art i think you rewatched some shows probably if you're like me right um or I'm so trying to, i actually only recently have gotten into rewatching stuff i used mm -hmm. to have this opinion of like i don't want to spend time rewatching something when i could instead Consume watch new. something i haven't seen yet mm -hmm. and discover something new but cory forster actually is a big rewatcher and he was always telling me he's like no dude it's awesome you say all this other shit you never noticed before whatever 
first time I ever rewatched something was I rewatched all of Game of Thrones in the lead up to season eight, right? Mm-hmm. But and I loved that. So I'm now re-watching The Expanse, which is my current favorite show on TV. It's a sci-fi show on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and dude, that's what I did during the pandemic. I mean, I like, first I gained like 30 pounds and then lost 50 pounds. So I got, I was all over the map health-wise, but I, my wife got a Peloton bike and I got obsessed with that thing. So I do, I started working out a lot. I planted some like fucking herbs and vegetables and shit. Like I'm going to be a gardener now. They look terrible. I'm doing a horrible job of that. But I also took up baking uh, because I watched the Great British Baking Show. Oh, I watched that because my wife is watches it. So yeah, I it has consumed me that mm-hmm. show. I'm I have rewatched that show three times through every single season, and I just keep rewatching it. I don't know what it is about it, dude. Uh, my buddy Joe Zimmerman, who's a comic in New York, he has Joe, a podcast yeah. with an Englishman named Tom. And Tom, I was on their podcast, and Tom said that he feels like when he hears Americans talk about the Great British Baking Show, it sounds like they're talking about opiates or something. <laughs> like it's just like a warm blanket. It's just calming and nice. It's mm-hmm. like a glow or whatever. And that's exactly how I feel about it. It just makes me feel good. But then from watching that, because I love to cook, I've always loved to cook, but I never baked. And from watching that, I started baking. So like I was one of those people that I did, I, you know, was trying to keep myself busy any way I could. I started a new podcast. I kept making videos and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to like be creative. I, I need to feel productive, you know what I mean? Or yeah. I get like I spiral into like a depression. If I feel like I ain't doing shit, it drives mm-hmm. me insane. So like I have to, I have to stay busy with whatever, even if I'm kind of all over the place. You know? I feel the same way where it's like, if I'm not doing anything, then that, that shit feeling compounds and then it leads me to not do even more and then more. And then yeah. eventually like even the smallest task is exhausting for some, whatever reason, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I played, uh, I was already doing this, but I got more into my ukulele. <laughs> oh yeah. Picked my ukulele back up and was, you know, diving back into that. I took my seventh crack at learning Spanish that didn't stick for the seventh time. So we'll see how number yeah. eight goes whenever that comes back up again. But it's, yeah, a lot of what, shit. What are the go-to songs on the ukulele? You've, what is there probably somewhere over the, the rainbow was mm. probably one of those, right? It is, it is one of them, uh, but the first song that I learned to play all the way through and sing at the same time, because that shit is hard if you're not just like naturally I'm not coordinated kid. for the, any of Me that, neither. Well, I, a lot of people, apparently you're either, you can either just do it, like you start l- learning how to play and stuff and you can just do that, or you have a shitload of trouble with it, and I have had a shitload of trouble with it. I still can't really do it, but so... The first song I learned to play all the way through and sing at the same time was uh, Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis. Yeah, yeah. And and then also Hurt by Johnny Cash and um, Mad World by Gary Jules, which Mm -hmm. are two just like brutally depressing songs. Yeah, put those Um, on and I compound my shitty feeling over and over again. And the funniest one is... uh, as long as you love me by the backstreet boys that's like actually maybe my favorite song to play on the ukulele (laughs) yeah i just like it but i'm not i am not good like i can Mm -hmm. i I know chords and i could sit there and strum along with somebody you know if i wanted to Mm -hmm. and then i know a handful of songs kind of but that's it like i don't want people thinking that i'm all that at a ukulele because i'm not (laughs) but i learned it because somebody sent it to me just randomly sent me a ukulele and i felt like well fuck i got it and it's beautiful it's a really nice ukulele and i was Mm -hmm. like well shit i kind of have to learn how to play this thing now (laughs) yeah (laughs) you've been given homework but it's been fun um uh what was it oh i started guitar the same time i started stand-up and i learned quickly that i didn't need other people to do stand-up i knew you need the audience but i it's like, I don't need the band to be there too. I could fail on my own or not fail. So that's, that was been my musical journey is, and then l- lately I'm like, I should get another guitar and play, but 
but then it's, it's do you like, still play or did you stop i stopped and i I, yeah. I feel like i could still play some things but that even that'll take me a couple months to get back to where i was which was not good either you know yeah i also I, my guitar is sitting right there and i'm like i again i know again i could strum a few chords on a guitar mm-hmm. but that's about it i can't play any songs on it really I could finger, I could finger pick the beginning of simple man, but just the beginning, you know, that's about the extent of it way better at the ukulele. And I'm still not that good at that, but yeah, I fuck with the guitar a little bit too. Um, you know, people always go, you know, to you for, uh, political opinions and that, I don't know, what, what do you see the, 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 the United States, what's the direction of politics? And cause for a year, everything was so tense and then it kind of, not went away, but I felt like, well, at least I can breathe a little bit, you know? So what, yeah. what, what do you think, you know, for the next, that's how I years. feel too. Look, I, you know, being a liberal is like other liberals can be a bit much sometimes, you know, not all yeah. of us, but like liberals are very like overly self-policing, you know, mm-hmm. like for no, like they're, we, we're really high standards for yeah. each other. And Which we often fail until yeah. it is you know right <laughs> we often fail to meet those standards i'm just saying all that to say like i like joe biden do i love joe biden no but i like him especially in comparison to donald trump you know yeah, i'm yeah. still like i'm still not over appreciating that fact mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still not done with appreciating that fact you, mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i'm still appreciative of the fact that it ain't donald trump and it is joe biden whereas a lot of liberals are like you know, pissed off at Joe Biden already and just raking him over the coals and stuff. And I'm not going to do that. I don't think I'm, you know, I would like him to be further left and I'd like him to get more shit done and whatever, all that. But like, he's cool with me, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, for now. And I'm happy with it. Like, I'm, again, I just, I know people, uh, liberals, especially it's like, no, it's not enough. It's got to be better. And it's like, sure. I would love that too. But still, I just don't know how you could go through the past four years of this country we've seen how fucking crazy and bad it can get and it can get worse even than it did already. And knowing that, I don't know how you're not at least a little bit more positive right now. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. me anyway, but a lot, a lot of liberals aren't, it's still doom and gloom and everything, but I don't, I don't feel that way. How did you feel about, you know, the four years of you, you didn't even get like people that were into politics. They were into Donald Trump and just like people essentially wearing the jersey they're going to the donald trump pro yep. shop to Cor- buy that stuff that was like that i was Corey, like uh last night Corey guest hosted weekly skews my political podcast mm-hmm. live at five pacific every tuesday on my social media pages and um and also wherever you listen to your podcast at Corey guest guest hosted last night and he said that he said the exact same thing mm-hmm. about donald trump and how it's like it's like a sports team with them you know at this point and it's true and i i go back and forth on how i feel about that because like he's 75 and he's fat and dumb and don't take care of himself and all this Mm -hmm. stuff and it's like surely he won't last too much longer (laughs) and uh, and i i on the one hand i'm like yeah but those people those people are not going away right but on the other hand and I really hope I don't jinx myself with this. I don't know that I see another Donald Trump coming through. I don't know that there's going to be one single person that invigorates them in the exact way that Donald Trump did, because like, dude, you can't coach that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, it's one of the, it's, it's, I compare it to like movies that are so bad, they're good. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times there's whole studios that make their whole business attempting to make movies that are so bad they're good like that's the point of them the sharknado yeah. movies and stuff like that you know like abraham that's what lincoln vampire hunter they're so, trying yeah. to do that right mm-hmm. but you can't do that the only way that ever really works is like they've the person making the movie has to believe it's a masterpiece mm-hmm. right like they've got to be doing their very best and then if it's just laughably terrible like the room or something like that you know mm-hmm then that's how you get that magic alchemy right of it's so bad it's good you can't fake it and i i'm saying i think donald trump is the same type of thing i think you're gonna have a shit you already do have a shitload of right-wing politicians 
who are trying to be the next Donald Trump, but I don't yeah. think that's something that they can just do. So if that turns out to be true, and he is kind of irreplaceable in that way to those people, and he is out of the picture at some point, maybe that will kind of take care of it. Do you know what I mean? Like if they don't have another person to get that same fervor for, maybe they'll mm -hmm. just kind of slowly dissipate back into the swamp or, <laughs> or yeah. whatever. But, but yeah. I, I, I'm actually, it might surprise people to know, but I'm, I'm kind of an optimist. I don't know if it's because I have kids or what, but I just try to remain ultimately positive. So like mm -hmm. that all is the type of shit that I tell myself, you know, yeah. who knows what will actually happen, but I'm hopeful. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a guy in in all walks of life. Hope for the hope for the best, plan for the worst type yeah. thing. And you you've gotten it's not it wasn't even politics. It was again, like I said, uh, I, I don't know the cult mentality. But now you're getting the little mini Donald Trumps of oh, I'm gonna record this selfie video in front of this thing, or you know, in front of a the the wall or some another senator's office or whatever. And it was just like all very it's very pro wrestling anymore, you know. It's not. Like yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got for like, a video moment as opposed to absolutely. Policy. And I think that I also think that they're yeah they're more interested in being like the people who were like Bobert and Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like that are more interested in being like the personality or what like they don't give a political shit about influencers. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Political influencers. Like that's what they're about. They don't give a shit about the job. No. About you know, like being a lawmaker or a public mm -hmm. representative it's they couldn't care less about that they're just yeah political influencers is what they are but i'm saying also i don't not the least of which just the fact that those two are women but they're just not they're famous for how lunaticy they are but they're not gonna inspire that type of following Mm -hmm. that trump did they're just not and that's what i'm saying it's like i think those the little mini trumps that have popped up and there are other ones too they're just never going to be able to replicate that i don't think mm -hmm. so you know well and like the last four years or five years have made i'm a guy who loves to listen and watch stuff about conspiracy theories and again whether i agree with that usually not but those were fun like you know uh the, the bigfoot or whatever and then i was then, thinking like, about this last night keep going so yeah that now it's like oh conspiracy theory results in storming the Capitol. right and i'm like man like it's not even fun dude anymore, you know that that is so weird you literally last night because i was thinking about aliens i think about aliens a lot <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> i was never a big conspiracy theory guy other than like i like the alien related ones but mm -hmm. like but you're right. I was just thinking about that last night. Like conspiracy theories used to be, yeah, like fun kind mm -hmm. of and mostly harmless. They switched the Coca-Cola formula. Did, right. Did, yeah. It was like, that type of sure, shit. Sure. Whatever, man. You know. Right. And I could see being a conspiracy theory hobbyist mm -hmm. because of that. And like, but like, but yes, now conspiracy theories went mainstream in the worst way. And yeah, they're like dangerous mm -hmm. and like it's, they're way darker and just, mm -hmm and more influential in a shitty way and yeah that's got to be a bummer for somebody like you who's just you know yeah well, yeah, well it was now trying to get down with some jfk shit for a while yeah. you know? <laughs> turn on jfk and hang out uh yeah it was like i would i was in at a family thing and i heard the word adrenochrome from somebody and it was just yeah. like once again it was a great uh 90s 2000s band by the way uh you know i'd go see really Adrena. or is that a joke no, uh, no, they they said that word, but in my head, I'm like, man, that's a great band name, by the way. Okay, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. no, it's such a great band name. I thought you were serious. I was like, no, Dude, I don't no, know no. how I missed Adrenochrome. <laughs> like that sounds like right up my alley for that time yeah. period. It's like, yeah. dude, Adrenochrome and Hoobastank going on tour together. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> yeah, but I heard that that word, and I was like, man, that's not even like I, I guess eating babies or whatever, whatever. And I'm like, that's not fun, you know? No. Like, no. And here's the thing about that. It keeps blowing my mind. I made a short video uh, about this idea because like, I understand the first hook of the whole QAnon thing because I have children. So like the sort of setup of child sex trafficking epidemic, right? Mm -hmm. 
I can understand anyone caring about that. Like I can understand hearing that and being like, Oh shit. I want to look into that and maybe try to do something about it. Cause that don't sound good. Right. Mm-hmm. I get that. What I don't get is how, when you take the very next step and you un you peel back the very literally page one, chapter one. And it's like, Yes, the specifics of that are there is a global cabal of pedophilic vampires who harvest the blood of children at the highest levels of society or whatever. I don't know how you get there, which again, that's like step one. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you get to that point and don't go, oh, well, never mind. Clearly, this is stupid bullshit. I've wasted my time with it. I don't, it's so outrageously insane. It continues to blow my mind that that so many people, so many people have gotten roped in by it, you know? I mean, that what you just said is Alex Jones Mad Libs, where it's like, and then I need right. a mythical creature, vampire, okay. And then yeah. they drink the blood of a baby. And then it's like, I just don't know how, those are, that's, I think in movies, it's like, I don't know what it's called, but you get, you get one or two chances to suspend your disbelief before yeah. that third chance is like, this is bullshit right that what that sentence you just said there was like four times i was like bullshit 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 you know like it's very bizarre um to me of how people and they're still believing it yeah like yeah right that's the other thing too also wrapped up in that there was all these like prophecies you know mm -hmm. where there were dates there were dates that the fucking kraken was going to be released and there's been like six of them at this point and on every single one of them not shit happened and that's like that's always been a thing another thing that fascinates me is like how do you keep going maybe the first time when the goalposts get moved they're like no actually listen change of plans it's this date now but literally there's been like five or six of them at this point Mm -hmm. how do you keep going past that you know like i never understood those guys that would doomsday prophesy those like preachers that would give a prophecy of when the world mm -hmm. was going to end i never understood that because i in my head i was always like I mean, I guess they're so crazy that this isn't true, but I was always like, okay, now you know that ain't going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. When it, and when it don't happen, then what? What are you going to do? But they just keep on trucking, man. It doesn't phase them somehow, but I do not understand the brain of someone like that. It's a, it's Lucy with the football, like Charlie Brown, like, yeah, come on. No, it's yep. every and single every time. time. Falls forward every time. Yeah. Do you get tired of, are you a guy that probably follows politics a lot just out of pure interest and enjoyment, right? Like, or do you feel like you have to keep up on shit anymore? I, the latter, I feel like I have to, I don't, Mm -hmm. the thing is I do genuinely care about all those things, Mm -hmm. the, the issues and stuff, but I'm not a political i'm not a politics junkie at all and i never have been as a matter of fact uh and i think that probably disappoints some people sometimes but what i still do it here's what every morning i get up i get on twitter and i look at what's trending and i look at what's trending on the news tab just so i'm at least somewhat connected to what's going on Mm -hmm. also if there's something there that's funny i'll try to think of a video idea i can do for it or Mm -hmm. whatever i do that every day um because i do i don't want to be completely out of the loop but like my political podcast weekly skews my co-host mark ag who's a comedy writer mm-hmm. yeah he was he was a he's a former journalist who's now a comedy writer um he's like a politics junkie i mean i don't know how you feel about me classifying him as that but he fucking is like he's on top of it all he reads all the articles he's very very plugged in which is why i asked him to if he wanted to do that show with me and so because it like he through doing that show with him he keeps me more informed because i felt like it was important to stay informed but i don't have the drive automatically to just stay up on everything all the Mm -hmm. time because dude i mean i get i get exhausted by that shit you know especially in up until very recently when it was just like horrifically terrible all the Mm -hmm. time and frightening you know like that shit will wear you out or it does me anyway. Well, you the know. thing is, you're when you're looking at your phone, it's with something that's supposed to it was started to be fun. Like you started yeah. doing things because they were fun, and then they became not fun because you're you're like you spend an hour on your phone, and you're just like, God, 
that like everything is shit and all you did was read that stuff and you did it to yourself you know like yeah just put no it, absolutely put it down you know 100 percent. and the thing is you can't only see these types of stories but like my wheelhouse the shit that i really like and what i oftentimes will end up making a video about or something is something that's like not abjectly terrifying but is you know funny or stupid or both or whatever like last week when that texas congressman louis gomert asked uh the science people mm -hmm. he asked like the uh, national forest service or something like that some science agency he asked them if they had looked into perhaps moving the moon a little bit <laughs> or altering the orbit of the earth or whatever and it's like that's politics adjacent but like it's not it's just funny how absurd it's, it is yeah. uh and that i love that type of shit you know yeah the stuff that's like existential crisis-y mm -hmm. that's what wears me out but of course that's the more important shit too that you need to be at least somewhat aware of but well, then yeah. it's so that's such some of these some of the stuff is so heavy you're just like i don't even i mean i you, i think you can make just about anything funny whether people find it funny or not that's the thing but you know to me i'm very much in line with you of like oh the guy wants to move the moon or they want to change the potato head thing like to me that's right. my favorite of it's already a toy that nobody should give a shit about right and then to put absurd beliefs on this toy that's right so funny yeah they're talking me. about like a toy potato's dick <laughs> you know <what laughs> I mean? like that's what yeah. it's like it's a potato yeah like the whole point of mr or miss potato head is you can make it anything you want it to be like yeah. the potato heads have always been transgender in a way and yeah. just and just sans gender well, again mm -hmm. they're potatoes yeah that you put eyes on like it's up to you it's so it's so fucking ridiculous but yeah that type of stuff that i'm all all for that that i get enjoyment out of you know because that's funny to me yeah that's where it's like it's not a heavy topic and and it and i don't know it's it brings me joy to read that stuff as opposed to oh somebody uh died or whatever I'm like ah that's not true. sometimes you know in the world we live in it's both in my opinion the best and biggest example is january 6th like that's very that was terrifying it is scary very disturbing and alarming and all that but there is so much funny shit mm -hmm. about that just because of how insane and stupid these people are like dude there and i'm quoting a person here this is literally what he says not me saying it this is what he said that fucking QAnon shamans guy shaman guy his own lawyer called him retarded mm -hmm. in a like public statement that he put out you know he's like listen my client this guy you know he's retarded so yeah, yeah. what are you gonna do and it's just all so absurd they were like they're like writing up letters to the fbi outlining all the crimes they committed because they think they're being helpful or something like that mm -hmm. they're like posting on facebook it's like we are storming we're inside the capitol right now here's nancy pelosi's fucking microphone stand or whatever like just how overtly self-incriminating they all were and like it's just there's a lot of humor in that but it's also very dark and fucked up yeah you know? it was very so like yeah when when people died i can't get that out of my head but then also like you broke in to do nothing like you just, yeah. you got into, oh, now I'm, I'm wearing a Buffalo head on my, on my head, you know, like that was one of the ladies that died was trampled to death wearing a don't tread on me shirt, yeah, uh, which so, again you know. is like, he, you're like, oh, <laughs> like, what a weird twist of that like, one guy got tased in the balls to death. I mean, like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like so and or beaten just beaten with an, an american flag the symbol of freedom just you're getting <laughs> yeah. beaten with the flag it just, they were like assaulting police officers with thin blue line flags yeah. and shit like that you know like it's just it's so ridiculous that's beat that's beating the lifeguard with the fucking lifesaver thing they throw at you like <laughs> um pl please plug all your stuff that you'd like to plug and then we'll get out of here all right well yeah thanks buddy thanks for having me it's a Always good to talk to you. This was a, a fun time. Um, goddamn mic keeps going down. I'm sorry about that. I didn't figure that out. Anyway, uh, I'm going back on tour. Finally, mm -hmm. finally. God, I'm so thrilled. It's been so long. Going back on tour starting July 10th in Atlanta, Georgia. And what you could do, if you, and again, I tour with Corey Ryan Forrester and Drew Morgan. Corey, he, uh, 
you know, he has exploded himself recently, went viral a few times. He did the MTV Movie Awards, for God's sake. Wow. So bizarre. Like, I was so like bizarre. wow, so awesome. That was the first time Corey stepped on stage since the pandemic started. First time he was on a stage physically since all this started was the MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> uh, it's all downhill from here. Yeah, but <laughs> anyway, so I'm saying, you know, it's a good show. It's a fun time. You should check it out and what you can do. It's called the Well Red Comedy Tour. That's Well R E D, like Well Rednecks. You get it. Mm-hmm. Play on words. <laughs> Wellredcomedy.com has all our dates. We're still adding more dates, ticket links, and all that stuff. So that is what I would love for people to check out. And also, uh, I've got a couple other, I got a couple of my own podcasts. One of them is the Well Red Podcast with those dudes where we just have a good time and, uh, you know, somewhat rednecky fashion and then there's weekly skews that i've talked about a couple times every tuesday it's a live political podcast and the best way to find all of those is honestly your social media of choice if you just look me up by my name t-r-a-e crowder you'll find all or just google trey Mm -hmm. crowder t-r-a-e and you'll you can find all that shit that way that's the simplest way to put it so yeah and thanks again buddy yeah, thank you. And, you know, if you're not able to make a show, you're missing out first off because all three of those dudes are funny. All you guys are funny. You're all super nice and uh, and good dudes. But also just go and subscribe to the podcast. Go and subscribe to the YouTube channel and share it. That helps tremendously, no matter what kind of creator you're talking about. But thank you. That's yeah. I absolutely should have said that myself. So thank you very much. I, I forget you. to say it all the time. So back there. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and thanks for, you know, like I said, I started the show. People are like, oh, we found you because of Trey. So I want to say thank you for sharing my stuff, man. Oh, happy to do it. You deserve it, brother. Thanks, man. I'll see you. All right. See you, dog.